Uh, last week, we talked about the fact that we are saved to serve. And we talked about how God changes us and um, makes us people who want to serve Him and want to do things uh, that He's asked us to do. And today, I want to preach a message titled, Saved to Give. And this is not all about giving of offering and things like that, but it's about giving. So it kind of takes off from last week's. So saved to give. Luke 6 and verse 38. It says, give generously and generous gifts will be given back to you. Shaken down to make room for more. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. And Matthew 10, verse 8. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. So here's just two verses to start off so you have some context. Saved to give. You see, when we were saved, we received a gift from the Lord. It was by grace we received forgiveness. We received everything that Christ did for us on the cross. You know, and just like we took communion during the worship service, we received that by faith. And because we've received it, we're supposed to freely give. So I believe that when you're saved, you are transformed from someone who was selfish to someone who is unselfish. And unselfish people give out. It's just the way it is. So when we say yes to Christ, yes, we're going to follow you, yes, we want you to be the Lord of our lives, we become givers. The first verse I read here this morning about giving and God right away through Christ as he's talking to his followers makes it clear that when you give, he'll pour back in. And uh, he says, the measure that you give out is the measure that comes in. I remember my great-grandpa had said that when you give out, it's like when you shovel a shovel out, God shovels a shovel back in. But the difference is your shovel's little and his is really big. So if you're wanting a picture in your mind, that's how it is. The amount that God brings back always overflows. It's always more than what you give. And we'll read a verse a little bit later that talks about planting and how the same as planting, there's increase and you get more than what's given. But giving, of course, is not just about finance. When you become a believer and you have a heart to give out beyond yourself, no longer selfish, there are different things that you can give. One of those is giving our time. And if you were here last weekend, of course, we talked about serving, and that really is giving your time. Matthew 9 and verse 37 says this. He said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. So giving out in time and of your gifts is really important to seeing God's uh, kingdom grow. You know, we've been so blessed uh, here this year. 
We now have 39 people who have accepted Christ and are wanting to begin growing in him. But that harvest takes people. The harvest requires others to help new people grow. And you guys are a big part of that. You know, if you're part of a life group and you invite a new person, you're going to help them grow. If you're um, taking someone for coffee and just visiting with them because you know they're new, answering some questions for them, you're a part of the harvest. And whenever you do that, you're giving time, right? It takes time to answer people's questions. It takes time to pick them up and bring them out to church if they need it. Uh, but I want to encourage you, that's part of your uh, giving back to God. And of course, we talked about that in length last week. And if you didn't get to hear that message, you can find it on the podcast, Abundant Life Worship Center with an R-E, or just go on our website, alwc.church, and you can find all the messages there. And, uh, but just know this, giving is something believers do. There's some scripture that talks about giving our lives. Now, this is a little bit similar, but a little bit more. Mark 8, verse 34. Jesus is talking, and it says, Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. What is he saying? He's saying this, hey, if you want to follow me, you're going to need to be okay with giving up your own personal agenda and taking on a kingdom agenda, the kingdom of God. In other words, you're saying, okay, Lord, what you have for my life I believe it's more important. It's the right thing compared to what I thought or maybe what my parents thought or maybe what other people thought. Because often people have an idea what your life should look like. But there's one who knows exactly what you were created for and knows exactly where you will feel the most blessed, where you'll feel the most successful. And that's Jesus. So really, as he says, giving up your life is actually gaining it. It will be so much more when you're saying yes to him. So I want to encourage you that are believers this morning, be willing to give up your life to take on the life he has. I believe many of you have already that are here, but if you're wondering, is there something you want, Lord, for me to give up or to take on, take time and ask him. Life is so fulfilling when you become a giver, unselfish, a believer serving him. Now, of course, when you talk about giving, uh, you can't get away from the fact that we are asked in Scripture to give of our money or possessions. And so we're going to look at a few of those verses today. Mark 10 and verse 21. It says, Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And he said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And again, this is a verse we did look at in a previous message, but I want to look at it today a little bit differently. 
Jesus is talking to a young man who actually wants to follow him. The young man hasn't started following yet, but he wants to. And Jesus actually, it says, loves him. In other words, he sees this is a great young man. I want him to follow me, but he recognizes there's a problem. You see, to this young man, his riches and possessions are more important than following Christ. And so, because of that, Christ says specifically to him, I need you to give that up so you'll be able to follow me. So it's a great picture for you and I. Now, Christ is not telling you and I to sell everything we have. Uh, He has told people that in the past, but that's not the message I'm giving you to you today. He was dealing with an issue for that young man. But for you and I, let's make sure in our hearts that our money and possessions are not more important than serving God. Do you know, over the many years I've been here, I've seen where people allow money and possessions to become their God. Money and possessions suddenly direct their lives to the point where they no longer come to church, they no longer serve, they no longer do anything for God. But they have a lot of stuff. They buy new things, new shoes, new clothes, new vehicles, new homes. They work two or three jobs to have that stuff. But church just doesn't fit because they need another job to make payments on more stuff. That's a sign that you've let money and possessions be more important to you than your God. So don't let it happen. Hey, if you find yourself overwhelmed with... I just need more work because I need to pay more. Take a look and say, do I really need all this stuff? Do I need the fanciest, newest home or the fancy newest vehicle or the fancy newest shoes? Or do I need to compete with the neighbors next door? You don't. And I can tell you this. God says when you'll let that idol be gone... Because there's a verse that says, the love of money is the root of all evil. Okay? Money is not evil, but when it becomes the main thing in your life. So, be willing to give up that mindset and take on God's mindset. Take a look at your life. Take a look at your work and your stuff. And make sure it's not stopping you from serving God. Malachi 3 verse 10, of course, is a verse uh, many of you know about giving. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you and I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now this is uh, God speaking clearly 
to you and I saying, hey, if you'll be faithful with what I've given you and give back, and he gives as a basic amount the 10% of what you bring in. 10% of what you make, you calculate that, and you say, okay, I'm going to give that to God. And if you look at it and how it works, giving it to God, he was specific. He said, you know, don't just do it anywhere. Take it to where you're going to gather together, which would be your home church. That's the tithe. Offering is beyond that and should go wherever you feel God's saying. But so he clearly uh, makes this statement, do it. But he doesn't just say do it. He says, if you do it, I'm going to bless you so much that other people will know. Now, this, I find this very interesting because I just mentioned to you, don't make money of God. I see people leaving serving God and everything is about their stuff. And yet God says, if you'll be faithful to me, I'll actually bless you so much other people will notice. Other people will be saying, how come that guy's so blessed? Isn't that amazing? When your heart is right about it, he gives you what you didn't even ask for. He gives you the thing the world seems to chase after. But he says, you don't have to chase after that. Chase after me. So be faithful because he will open the windows of heaven. Now this verse talks a little bit about the farming picture and agriculture because that's where their abundance came from. I remember years ago as a teenager, uh, back on the farm where I grew up, we used to have uh, large gardens and we would plant the gardens with everything and then we had two specific gardens that were just for potatoes. And uh, we would plant those potato gardens every year and as kids we would help weed them and hill them and harvest them. And when those potatoes were put in, I remember this one specific year, and they were really big gardens. As a kid, they looked like fields, but they weren't. But they were big gardens, and that we planted them with potatoes. And then we weeded them, and we tipped the weeds, and then you'd hill the potatoes, and then we would harvest them at the end. And that year when we harvested those potatoes, uh, we used to have a small tractor and a plow behind the tractor. And the plow would go along beside and just flip everything up, and then you'd go in and dig them out and put them in bags. And when we took that tractor and drove it down there, and the plow coming, when it turned, you really couldn't see any dirt. It was just a pile of potatoes, row after row of potatoes, so many. And I still remember it clear, and we dug them and put them in bags. And we used to have these uh, big sacks that we put them in, and you could get about 100 pounds of potatoes in a sack. And that year we had, I believe it was almost 100 bags of 100 pounds. So you could do the math for that. It was a way lot of potatoes. And we filled up our root cellar and we just had potatoes. So we started giving away potatoes to anybody who wanted potatoes. And it was truly God's abundance. And it was a harvest. And it sticks in my mind to this day of God's faithfulness and how he blesses. And I learned about giving, I learned about planting. And I'll speak into that a little more as we go, but know this, when you plant 
When you do what God asks, abundance comes. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6. This is Paul talking to believers, and he's encouraging them to give to another area where they're having a famine. Okay? And he's encouraging them to do this, and here he writes, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you will always, having all sufficiency in all things, you may have an abundance for every good work. So here he uses the picture of planting, just like those potatoes. When we plant... We know that a harvest will come. The interesting thing about giving or planting is that the harvest doesn't come immediately the next day. There's some faith involved. But you plant because you know a harvest is coming. Nobody ever planted a garden believing they'd get nothing or else they wouldn't have bothered, would they? Anyone who plants believes a harvest will come. And they have faith that even though they see nothing the next day, or the next day, or the next day, harvest will come. When the green plant starts to grow up a little bit, whew, builds their faith. Okay, the plants are growing. That's good. We know harvest is coming. Potatoes get a little bigger. You get some rain. All right. The plant is growing. By faith, we know there's potatoes under there. It really is a faith step. And just like the time when we planted, abundance came. But if we hadn't planted... Well, there'd have been no potatoes. What instead if we'd have thought, well, you know, this bag here of seed potatoes, I don't want to put them under the ground because I think we'll just keep these because at least we have these. Well, we would have had maybe one 100-pound bag instead of 100 100-pound bags. You see, giving means you release something you have in faith that it will grow. All right, so giving is like that. I want you to have that in your heart. Never see giving as, oh, I just got to do this and it's gone. That's not how God's kingdom works. And when you're obedient to him and you give the way he asks, he says there'll be more coming. He says he'll bless and he'll overflow. And in this verse, he says, you will actually have more and enough to give to every good work. Anybody here you've ever felt like, oh, I wish I could give to that work and that thing and help that neighbor and that uh, family member? And maybe you're like, oh, I just can't. And yet here God's saying, I want to make you able to give in many areas in many places. That's really an amazing thing. I don't know about you, but giving is exciting. The scripture says it's more blessed to give than to receive. You know that verse, right? More blessed to give than to receive. Now, literally, you'll be more blessed when you give. You know, often we think about that as the joy part, and it is more joyful to give. But even literally, because just like planting seed, if you just kept that amount, it's nice, but when you plant it, you get more blessed. But also, there's a joy factor in giving that is amazing. If you've ever helped somebody in need 
and you see how blessed they are, it feels so good. Even better than if someone was giving you something. So I want to encourage you, let's be givers. And when we're givers, we will be blessed because I believe that God has saved us to become unselfish givers. Now we already mentioned givers of our lives, givers of our possessions, givers of what he's given us, our time. Also, I believe something else that you and I need to give all the time is to give out forgiveness. Now this is not uh, something I normally put in a giving message, but God made it really clear to me that this is an amazing act of unselfish giving when you forgive. It's in the word, isn't it? Forgiving is you freely giving. Listen to Matthew 6, verse 12. And this is, I'm going to jump partway into the Lord's Prayer. It says, And forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. We need to forgive. It is an act of giving when someone doesn't deserve it. You see, forgiving someone is an act of freely giving pardon or freedom. You give pardon or freedom, you release them from the wrong or from whatever they did. So it's an act of giving. So, are you and I able to give freely forgiveness? How are you doing in the area of forgiving? You know, I believe there's a way to tell if you're maturing in Christ. You know, we're called to grow and to mature. And if you want to know, am I maturing? I believe there's a good way to know that. And one of those ways is to know, am I able to forgive? Think back for a minute how your last week went. Now, if last week, think about how many people got you upset or offended you. And then think about what you did about it. Now, if you're not maturing very well or you're a little bit immature in your faith and you just got mad, you complained, you talked to other people, you, you need to grow. Okay, You need to mature. That's not maturity. But instead, think back over the week. How many times you got offended or people did you wrong? How quickly did you forgive? If you forgave them, immediately and you enjoyed your week anyhow your maturity is here it means you are maturing in christ the fact is no matter what happens where you go you're going to have people that do things wrong that offend you that just didn't see you that cut you off in traffic they had a bad day so they got grouchy at you for no reason it will happen your maturity doesn't mean nothing happens your maturity means you quickly forgive and you enjoy life. 
And life is enjoyable when you can forgive really quick. You let it go, you give them pardon, you disconnect yourself and them from the wrong. I just want to expand on this a little bit just to help you understand what I mean. When somebody doesn't forgive, what they're saying is, you wronged me and you owe me, okay? You hurt me and you need to pay. And when you think about it in a court situation, many times people, even couples, will end up in court angry and fighting. And they continually live in that anger, that frustration, not willing to forgive, but instead wanting the other party to pay. And when that happens, it continues on and on, and life is grouchy, miserable, frustrating. Okay, that's just a natural picture of how it works. But did you know even simple things in life, if you don't forgive, you carry them in the same way you're expecting people to pay you back? But they probably won't. And if you, I'm going to get a lawyer and force them, it's going to be miserable. Forgiveness is far better. So forgive. Forgive quickly. Give them pardon. Give them freedom. And trust me, when you give out, even when they don't deserve it, God says he'll pour back in. He'll bless you abundantly. Because that's who he is and that's what he does. The rewards of giving. I can't end the giving thing without telling you God rewards his people. We already in some of our verses talked about it because you can't miss it. Every verse it's almost connected with giving. That's how God did it. But the rewards of giving. We read a little bit in 2 Corinthians 9 and I want to continue. So 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 10. We're going to continue on. This is where Paul was telling them, to give generously and joyfully because God loves a cheerful giver. Well, he continued on in verse 10, so let's read. For God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. When we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them. And to all believers, will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace that God has given to you. Thank God for this gift to wonderful for words. So here he is really clearly telling them, hey, when you're faithful, I'll give you more so that you can give more. But I want to look again at verse 13. I read over it pretty quick, but I want you to see something very significant. Verse 13 says, as a result of your ministry, they'll give glory to God. When you're faithful, people glorify him. Because you're a believer and you do it because God asks you, and people glorify God. They thank God. But listen to the second half of the verse. For your generosity to them and all believers will prove 
that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. In other words, as a believer, if you've received the gospel, the good news, you become a giver. Isn't that amazing? One of the signs that you're obedient to the gospel you've received is that you're a giver. I love that because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt when people are in the world, they don't know about Christ, they are selfish. They live for themselves. Now, maybe you say, well, I've met somebody, you know, they're not a Christian, but they're nice. Sure they are. But typically, people are selfish without God. They think about, what do I want? What do I need? How am I going to make my life better? But when you become a Christian, you become unselfish, and you think, how can I make their lives better? How can I help them to go forward? It's a way better way to live. It is so satisfying to see others grow. And you know, we've been blessed abundantly over the years. I know my wife and I have always felt it's important to tithe, important to give that 10% and then whatever else God is asking. And we've done that all our lives. Uh, Ever since we've been married, we gave. We went to a small church and whatever money came in for me, 10% of it I would give. And I remember... Now, this is many years ago, and prices of things weren't as expensive, but I made about $800 every two weeks, uh, so about $1,600 a month, and you know, we figured it out, oh, that'd be like $160 a month that we're giving to the church we attended, and we knew we were giving it to God, but we knew the principal, give it to your church, and I remember thinking, that's like nothing, and my wife and I were talking, about it, I said, that's like hardly anything we're giving to God, we should do more than that. And we agreed, we're going to do 200 a month. And uh, so we did that. And I think about it now, and it's like, man, you, you can't pay for any bills if you do that. But it, that's not how God's kingdom works. And always we were blessed, and always we had more than enough. And actually, I believe it was within a couple months, I ended up getting a raise, and we were up to that amount. It's like God said, oh, you want to do more? Okay, I'll give you more. And he's like that. He's that good. But I remember also in, in that, uh, those year, early years, we had uh, purchased a trailer on its own lot, and I was working hard in construction, and we'd do ministry on weekends and whenever we could, and sometimes I'd take time off work to do ministry, and always God would bless us. I worked for a carpentry business, and the owners were not, Uh, Christians, but they gave me uh, the freedom to go do ministry whenever I needed to. The boss said, just make sure you give me two weeks ahead notice. You can do ministry whenever you want. Just come back, he said. He liked that I worked hard. And if you're a believer, you should work hard. You should, your bosses should know that you're one of their best workers. You're honest and you get it done and you're there early. You're representing Jesus. So make sure when you're working, you have a good representation. Okay, But anyhow, he, he gave us that freedom. So we would sometimes take time off work, which meant there's no money coming in. And we would travel and drive all over the country and go to places where sometimes you know, they didn't have any money to give you, but we just uh, did it because God was leading. And he always supplied all our needs. He blessed us abundantly. But 
One time I was praying and I was saying, Lord, you've always said you'd bless and there's got to be a way uh, to see money come in, you know, without just hard labor and putting up drywall and framing. I remember praying and asking about that. And I was out mowing the grass and I felt like the Holy Spirit dropped in my heart and said, buy the property next door, the trailer and the property. And I remember I actually laughed out loud mowing the lawn because my yard was an old trailer and a property. And anybody who's ever lived in an old trailer, you spend a lot of time fixing. I don't know if you guys have lived in an old trailer. It seems like you're always fixing something. And I laughed about it. I said, I don't want another old trailer to fix. And I just ignored it. That's just me. You know, when you really don't want something, must just be me. <laughs> I left it. Well, the next day after when I came home from work, my wife tells me and she says, oh, there was a real estate agent at our place today. He said he was coming to assess the place uh, because it has to be sold. I was like, what? And immediately I knew he's at the wrong trailer. He was supposed to be next door, but he came to our trailer and God led him because he was trying to get my attention. And I was like, oh my goodness. So then I told my wife what God had showed me the day before. I didn't even tell her. So I told her, oh, God is trying to get my attention because he told me this. Now, the trailer next door, there was no sign out there. The grass was a little bit long, and I didn't see a vehicle in the driveway for a couple days, but that's it. I didn't even know it was for sale, but now I did. I said, well, the real estate guy must have left a card. I'll give him a call, and I'll tell him. So he had a card there, so I called him up and I said, oh, hey, I just wanted you to know you're at the wrong place. You're supposed to be next door. And he said, well, I know it's, it's really hard to take when you're losing your place and stuff, but you know, you'll be okay. I said, no, no, you're at the wrong place. Trust me. You're supposed to be next door. And because uh, he had said a certain borrowing company, which was not the company we used, but I also knew we made our payments because God was faithful. So he was kind of, I don't know. I said, well, it is next door. Go check it out, figure it out. And I said, and when you get a for sale sign up there, I'm going to buy it. That was the end of our phone call. Well, I went to a different real estate person and uh, eventually they got the sign up and we ended up purchasing the trailer in the place next door with no money down and no clue what I was doing. But I thought, well, God knows what he's doing, and he got my attention. We ended up, did a little bit of fixing. We rented it out for six months, and in six months' time, we sold the trailer and property, and the lawyer gave me a check for $30,000. So God blessed us abundantly because I was obedient, but I almost missed it. Now, it was a God thing, and I want to tell you, don't go buy old trailers to, to resell them and make money. You will go broke. Only God can make that work. And it was a God thing. Obviously, the property was where the real value was. And for some reason, there was a huge jump in property values in that six months. But I, if I'd have tried to figure it out in my head, it wouldn't have worked. It was just a God thing. But I want to encourage you, be obedient to God. Trust Him. He wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. But you got to be obedient. And you got to say, okay, God, I'll be faithful with what you're giving me. Because his rewards are amazing. 
You see, Jesus' followers, the disciples, uh, gave up everything to follow him. Because he actually asked them to, you know, leave their fishing businesses, their homes, and travel with him when he was here. They gave up everything. And at one point in Mark 10, 28, Peter actually asks Jesus, well, we gave up everything. And it says this, then Peter began to speak up. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property, along with persecution. And the world, and in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. So Jesus says here on earth, he will overflow you when you give. If you have to give up something, he will actually return it abundantly. And a hundredfold means a hundred times more. Okay, that was what that was talking about. So Jesus is telling them, anything you've given up, it's going to be blessed back here. And there will be reward in heaven. Matthew 6, or actually, I'm going to look at, yeah, let's look at Matthew 6. Matthew 6, 19. This is out of the message translation. It says, don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moth and corroded by rust or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it is safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place where you will most want to be and end up being. Some versions say where your heart or where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. So here he's saying, when you're giving out, you're actually laying up treasure in heaven. Now, we don't know exactly what that looks like, but, you know, we're not going to need money and different things in heaven, but there will be a reward in heaven when you're obedient and giving. Now, this is not talking about salvation. Salvation is completely free. It's a free gift. And when God, uh, when you accept him and get salvation, your reward is that your sins are forgiven, you have a relationship with Christ, and you will be in heaven. But he also gives picture more than once that there's reward time when you reach heaven. Those rewards come from how you're obedient with what he's given. Isn't that amazing? And I'll show you that through scripture. Revelation 22 and verse 12. Jesus is talking. He says, behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. The Lord is so good, so generous. He rewards us here and now, and He rewards us again in heaven. You know, that's like your parents giving you two birthdays. Anybody ever have two birthday parties? <laughs> you know, sometimes it happens for our girls because they'll have the family birthday, and then they have the birthday with the kids from school. Well, that's how your heavenly father is. He's like looking for ways to overflow you. He's like, I'm going to give it to them now, and then later I'll do it again. You got a good father that you're serving. Don't go through life discouraged or disappointed. Just thank him and bless him. 
because he truly wants to bless you. A transformed, joyful, unselfish life begins with, well, salvation. If you've never asked Christ into your life to forgive you, if you've never said, hey, I want you to be my Lord, then you're not saved. And salvation is the first step to seeing his love and his abundance flow in you. So today I want to give opportunity to pray that prayer where we ask God to forgive us and come into our life in case there might be one here this morning who's not done it. And we're going to pray that together as a group. And we're going to believe that everyone will receive that immediate forgiveness and salvation. So if you will, repeat after me this morning. You can bow your heads and repeat this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I ask you now, forgive me of anything I've done wrong. Make me new. Use my life. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that today for the first time, or maybe it was more real to you, you can know you're saved. Okay, that's salvation. That's simple. God will begin to work in your heart and your life. He'll bring things you need to give up or change, and he will make you unselfish and a giver because that's who he is.